0: Well, good afternoon. Hope you're having a great day today. One of (laughs) you, I like it. At least there's one of us, right, Ernie? (laughs) So far, so good. That's what we're talking about. Well, let's take our Bibles, and uh, I don't know if we'll be successful, but uh, we're going to try to get, finish Romans chapter 8. Seems like we've been going on for eternity, but hopefully it's been as enlightening and insightful for you as it has been for me looking how the Holy Spirit literally is guiding and directing us through our sanctification process, knowing that he's responsible for there no being no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. With that, uh, let's uh, begin reading at verse 26, passage we've uh, been reading numerous times, but chapter 8 of Romans, beginning at verse 26 through the end of the chapter. Romans chapter 8, beginning now at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose." For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What, the, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And may God add a special blessing to reading of His Word, and let us just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. Father God, we thank you. It is not even there is not even words to describe what you've accomplished for us. It is beyond even our imaginations. We cannot comprehend the depth, the breadth, the length, and the width of a love that you have given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this passage of Scripture, and it, quite honestly, Father, is beyond me today. And I'm glad that it is. I'm glad that it is so broad and so deep and so amazing because it's from you. We would ask for your protection upon the Word today that your will would be accomplished, and that we would be taken to a greater intimate level with you because of what you've done for us. Father, we would pray for your overarching care and your wisdom and your strength today. We would ask, Father, that the words that are said would be from you, and it would be from The teaching of the Holy Spirit exclusively. Your ways are higher than our ways. But Father, allow us for these brief moments now to see you at a deeper level than we've ever seen you before. Thank you for what you're going to accomplish. We give you praise. We give you honor. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been uh, certainly engaged uh, for quite a period of time in Romans chapter 8. And how we got here was uh, through the sense of the Holy Spirit and what He's doing for us and through us. It's quite amazing, quite honestly. In chapter 8 of verse 1 of chapter 8 of Romans opens that whole thing up in the sense that there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into Christ Jesus. When we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, He, the Holy Spirit, comes to live and dwells within us. We are no longer our own. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, you think of that. Um, not only is there responsibility with it, but there's a great deal of prestige and power that comes in knowing that the Holy Spirit lives within us. I I don't even know how to describe that to you, ultimately, but to think of the very God, the Holy Spirit, lives within us. And what empowers Him, and I'm not saying He needs any more power, but what empowers Him, the Spirit, to empower you, is none other than the Word of God. That's what He uses to protect you, to empower you, and to provide for you. And that's what's been exciting as we have went through this chapter, uh, which has taken a long time. But that's okay. I think we've plumbed, uh, certainly not the depths, but just another depth. uh, For myself, it's been a a fascinating study. Um, I'd like to, again, maybe just pick up a reading in uh, Romans chapter 8 the verse that we all know, but hopefully it's gotten to be a bigger depth than you've known before. It says in verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. We talked about that one week, just those few verses, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, that not only do good things work for your good, but bad things work for your good. And, And thinking of all of that, the suffering and all of the things that are taking place and at an unprecedented level that we'll see probably in our country, our world. I've never seen fear conquer a world such as it has in the last number of months. I mean, fear literally just has completely silenced this world. There isn't a military achievement that could have possibly accomplished what has been done in this planet. It couldn't be done. So we've actually, from within, literally, fear has its way. And I think, you know what? No, that was for Promise Keepers, right, Ernie? I think I'm, I'm off the hook. I have an assignment. I give my true seekers assignments, but I had one, didn't I? And that was to find out how many times Jesus, in the Gospels... Now, some of it would be repetition because we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But what did Jesus probably say more than any other phrase? Fear, Fear not! not. <laughs> Fear not! He's saying the same to us today. He literally is. We can be wrapped in the warmth of his very being, That God, speaking of God... He is so powerful, so magnanimous, there is nothing to fear. And that's what I've loved about chapter 8. How did we get here during this time? I think it's God has directly taken us here. We are secure in Jesus Christ. But even the word that I would like to think of today, now we've used the last two, I think this might be our fourth week, if not third for sure, in the sense of the invincibility of a Christian. I love that word invincible. I am invincible because I'm in Christ. The invincibility of the Christian. And this first one that we've just unfolded, we know that all things work together for good. That was the extent of invincibility. You know what? It extends to every possible thing. God can take even bad stuff and synergize it to make it good for the Oh, There's another one beyond the extent of invincibility. Who's the recipient of invincibility? That's very key, isn't it? It's not everybody. I'll be be honest. Verse 28 does not apply to everyone in the world. It does not. Romans chapter 8, verse twenty. not everything works to the good of everybody. Let's read it that way. It sounds almost absurd. I hope it does. We know that all things work together for good to everybody, to those that love God. And that's what we talked about last week. Who's the recipient recipient of the invincibility? Those that love God. And we talked about what does that mean in loving God? You love God, and you hate the things God hates, and you love the things that God loves. I want to you want to see him and I I was even pondering that in this last week. Man, do I want to go see Jesus. I really do. That's one of the signs actually of someone that loves God. Doesn't make me more special because everyone that's been given a new life from the Holy Spirit living within them, they want to see their savior. And if you don't want to see your savior, you're probably not saved. <laughs> that's Harsh but true. And I, because I, I, I don't want to give out any false impressions. All things work together for those that love God. And if you don't love God, God's probably not living within you. And if God's not living within you, the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. But the really cool thing is, God can take care of that too, for whosoever will. And today, the, we're going to try to, you say, you're going to smash things together? You? Yeah, we're going to try. And it's almost like it's, it, the, it, today, my mind is so full of so many things of what God is doing for us, I'm just praying to him. You guys pray, too, that God would have said what he once said today. Because it's, it, it's just magnanimous what he's accomplished, all in his love, in his love. But one of the things we also want to see is we want to look at what is God's purpose. If if someone's if if I was going to ask this question, why did God save us? And us being those that are in Christ, those Christians, those believers, those followers of Jesus Christ. Why did God save us? He so loved the world. He so loved the world and it really is rooted in his love. All of this section this whole chapter 8, the reason that he can say there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus is the fact that out of his love. Out of his love he sent Jesus Christ. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't, I can't pick that up. For God, the Father, to literally send God, the Son, all God, all man, to accomplish what no one else could ever do, I would have just started over. <laughs> and the only thing that's even more impressive than that, and I'm jumping ahead, but we'll come back. Nothing wrong with, with uh, reviewing. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. Ephesians it's chapter 1. And I want you to look at verses 4 and 5. Ephesians, we'll just start in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. But I want us to pay particular attention to 3 and 4. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the same one that wrote the letter to the Romans, the same one is writing to the Ephesians now. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, that's the set apart ones, the Christians which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you in peace. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to point out one thing. If you, you watch this, do your own little study on this. It's been a long time since I've mentioned it. You will never find Paul saying in any of his letters, peace before grace. You will never understand the peace of God until you experience his grace. It's always grace and then peace. It's amazing. You go through all of the, those, that, those greetings and endings. It's always the same. Grace and peace never interchanged. From God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch now, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Even today, as we're still living here, just hang on. You say, Well, I will. I'll, keep, I'll read verse 4. Don't read it yet. Stop. You that are reading, stop. Let's just work work, let's work with three for a moment. To think of this, as we're sitting here, do you know, in position, if you've trusted Christ, you've been justified that literally you have more blessings than you could possibly even know or understand, and it's waiting for you in heaven because it's in Christ. Amen. That's exciting. You have no idea how rich you are because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished, and it's waiting for you in heaven. It's waiting for you in heaven. Now watch verse 4. According, this is is why, according as he, God, hath chosen us, all of those in Christ, in him before, this is what I wanted you to see, before the foundation of the world. Before he made anything, he already knew we would mess it up. And before... He made anything knowing that we would mess it up. He still had determined that everyone that would be saved would be in Jesus because he's the only one that could pay the price that was owed. That's before he made anything. Now, if that isn't love, I have no idea what it is. Is that not amazing? Now, again, uh, him being, I'm so glad that God is God. And all of the things that we in our little finite mind, which today I feel just so... I just feel so inadequate to describe these things in a Roman chapter 8. But may God have his word spread today at his, at, at his leisure and at his power. But to think of the fact that this very God, having so much love, decided with all of his foreknowledge, there's nothing he does not know. There's nothing, there's nothing that could be known that he doesn't know. Just wrap that up for a little bit. He knows everything. And he's still determined to make Jesus Christ his very son to pay the price and to show his love for us. (laughs) I'm almost speechless. And you say, that's not possible, Larry. You're always full of something to say. This leaves me speechless to think of that in that context before the foundations of the world. Now I had asked a question, I think I did. Uh, Rome, let's go back to Romans chapter eight. Um, if uh, oh, I know yeah, Ernie, Ernie brought that up, that out of his love, for God so loved the world, let's follow up with, what is the purpose for us those when I'm saying us, I'm not talking about everyone uh, an inhabitant of the earth, I'm talking about those that have trusted Christ, those that are saved. What was God's purpose in saving us? Now we can see we went back to Ephesians chapter one. We saw the fact that it was a long it was a plan made long before He made anything. I just I just can't say that enough. I, again, I, you know how it is. Have you ever made something and it was so pathetic you just started over? you ever had those crafts? you had that I'm not much of a carpenter. I worked for one for a while. He was really good. He was really, really good. And you and, and, and you mess it up so badly you just want to just start over. Have you ever had one of the, come on, I'll be honest. Nobody? Somebody has, right? I would have done the same thing. I'd have just put it in the car in the trash. Let's let's not start with Adam and Eve. Let's start with a uh, John and Jill. I don't know. Let's try something different here. But he didn't. But he didn't. What what was it that kept him doing that? Was it his justice? No. Was it his holiness? No. Now, not not to say any of those stopped. none None of those characteristics stopped being in place of who God is. But it's his love. Is there any point? It's his love that made him go forward and do what he knew would be a failure by itself. So what purpose did God continue forth to save us? Why are you saved here today? Now, most of the time I would probably hear this. Well, so we could go to heaven. Now, How many of you want to go to heaven? Yes, 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 yes. But that is a side benefit. That's not the real reason. In fact, he lays that out for us in Romans chapter 8. And right here he says he gives us his purpose. Now, if you're still in Romans chapter 8, Let's continue now in verse 28 as we continue on. We'll see the extent of invincibility. That is, we know all things work together for good. To them that love God, that's the recipients of invincibility, of those that love God. To them who are the called. So those that love God are those, they are the called ones according to his purpose. Now, that's, that's something. Here's his purpose. We're going we're gonna to learn what is his purpose. Now, watch verse 29. For whom, oh, now we're going to start a new section, if you can think about it. These are components of invincibility. If you were going to take God's plan, and I was going to line these out literally in five words. I think I'm right with five words. It describes everything in God's plan. His plan is laid out totally for us in verses 29 and 30. You can take somebody to Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. This is God's plan. Here it goes in verse uh, 29. For whom he did foreknow... For no, right? Remember that word. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So you actually have... Let, let's just think of this. I'm not going to write them down. and take me too long. I'm, I'm not very good with... You've noticed I'm not very good anyway with that. First of all, what starts the whole thing is God's foreknowledge. He foreknew. He knew, and I've already said that, there's nothing to know that he doesn't know. There's nothing that can be learned from God. He knows everything there is to know. And that's where it all started. For what he knew in the foreknowledge, from that point of starting, then he predestinated. Now that's a word usually people cringe and crawl underneath the pew. Predestinate. It sounds so scary, doesn't it? Sounds like we have no choice. Yeah, there's something about it, isn't there? There's a confined, there's a part that just remember, puts, puts everybody on edge. But let's, if you take the word apart, predestinate is to be, to set out or to mark out beforehand. In other words, it's part of a plan before it happens. Now, if you notice back, and if you, should we go back to uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse four? Let's read it. Let's read that again, knowing that that was in foreknowledge. It's actually some of the same concept. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one, and let's look now at verses four and five. Verse four starts off this way in Ephesians chapter one: "According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world." that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, I want you to hold on to that, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. It's actually concerted or paralleled in Romans chapter 8. We'll come right back to it in a moment. Having, oh, there's that word again, predestinated us... Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, you know, quite honestly, the predestination part of this is literally this simple. It's part of God's plan, and God had before marked out that all of those that would be saved would come through Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved outside of Jesus Christ, and you are predestined to be adopted children of God. Well, so what part of predestination do you, do you not like about that? I love every part of that. And he'd set that up beforehand. Jesus Christ would be the only sole way for anyone to be saved. And predestination has to do only with the saved. It has nothing to do with the unsaved. Nowhere in the scripture can you, at least I can't find it, I've not found anyone else could find it, that anyone else is predestinated to hell. It's not in there. Predestination has to do only with those that are saved. Praise God. Now, let's look at an example of that. Um, I was going to... Do not let me forget, Paul. You're on the front row. You're a responsible party, right? (laughs) Do not let me forget that I have asked the question what is God's purpose in saving us we still haven't really got that let's i mean it's here but we want to we want to un, unfold it but i want you to see something in the sense of predestination in the sense of saved only hold your place here and let's go back to Matthew chapter 25 Matthew chapter 25 and let's look at verse 34 Matthew 25 verse 34 now i have to i'm kind of jumping into a section but literally, this would be a judgment at the end of the age. And in verse 34, it says this. Then shall the king, this is God, say unto them on his right hand, those would be those that were, are saved. Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Watch now. Now, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Did you see that? It fits perfectly when I say predestinated to those that are in Christ from before the world was made. We saw in Ephesians chapter 1, he made it actually after he had already predestinated what would happen of those that would be saved. And from the foundation of the world, he's saying to those on my right hand, those that are saved, those that have accepted Christ, you can enter into my kingdom, which was for you from the foundation of the world, Isn't that beautiful? Now watch, verse 41, same chapter. It's the ones on the left. Then shall he say, you see it, verse 41, chapter 25 of Matthew. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Did you see what was not there? In other words, not from the foundations of the world. Do you see the difference? the predestination had to do those that were saved from the foundations of the world those that had rejected christ they will go to everlasting fire but it was not for them it was for the devil and his angels do you see the difference predestination has to do with saved That's exactly right. First Peter chapter three verses. In fact, let's go there for a moment. I think it because there's there's some things today. What no matter what I say today, I feel that it's just not fully rounded from how great and omnipotent our God is. And I'm trusting God to fill in the blanks. If there's something that you don't understand, it's not about God. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. But let's go to this because I think it fits perfectly. Uh, Ernie led us to let's go to Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three and I think it's verse nine. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I think this is is a verse we must always come to place because in in it is God's love, and it's so overarching. Verse 9, chapter 3, 2 Peter. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Boy, I'm so glad about that. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Word. Watch, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's, God's, that's what God wants. There's not a person that he does not want to have saved. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be saved. Absolutely not. We know that. But God wants and wishes that all would be saved. And Jesus Christ, was there somebody that he didn't die for? Some sin that he didn't die for? No. no. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist said that. No, the, and predestination has to do with the way that was lined out to be saved. Yeah, but he knew Absolutely. There's nothing he didn't yeah, know. He's not right. And, and see, that's that's the part in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9, that lays that out perfectly. He wants all to come to repentance. All of those whosoever wills, whosoever believeth, mm-hmm. all of those are really the, the responsibility is not God's. And the other thing, I have to say this, you know what? God didn't have to do anything. Every single person deserves to go to hell. But God in his mercy, but God, Ephesians chapter 2, he made it, before he made it, i come back to it again, before he made anything, he determined, predestined, the fact that he would save those in Christ. And somewhere, if you've trusted Christ, you're involved in those. I'm going to, if it's okay, I will write these words down. I, I'm kind of a visual guy. I'm, I'm thinking probably some of you are too. So this, this plan of God's is he foreknew. And because of what he foreknew, he predestined. And those that he predestined, he called. How, how is one called? How are you called? What does the scripture say about calling the Holy Spirit absolutely is involved no question about that let's go to uh, Romans you're already in Rome no I've got you in Matthew let's go to Romans chapter 10 Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 Romans 10 verse 14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? Isn't that exactly right? <laughs> how do you call? You're called through the Word of God. You're called through the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit uses that for the effectual calling. That's a theologian's term. The effectual calling—that's the Holy Spirit drawing them to Him. Let's go to First uh, Peter for a moment. First Peter chapter one, First Peter chapter one, and verse one and it's uh, those of you that have trusted Christ you know that when when the holy spirit is is speaking to you is calling is drawing you, you know what it's an amazing power isn't it you may remember those moments of when you succumbed when you gave yourself to him the first thing was you know what i can't do this i am too weak i'm too i've nothing only God can accomplish it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I'm not maybe in the right Peter. Let me try verse 23 where I wanted to go. Um, yeah, there it is. Verse 23. Being born again. Verse 23, chapter 1. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. How? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You want to be, how do you want to be born again? How are you born again? How are you saved? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. Praise God. Now, coming back, Paul, you were going to make sure that I didn't miss something. Um, do you remember we were going to ask a question? Do you remember that, Paul? Is God's purpose saving you wrote that down? Well, good for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, again, we talked about the fact that I, I think, as I, as I ask the question of us here today, uh, everyone wants to go to heaven. I've told you that little boy, right? Johnny, he was in Sunday school. Told you that one. Yeah, I have. Should I tell it again? Yeah. yeah. One more time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, the teacher was uh, was rehearsing the sense of what it would be like to go to heaven and someday going to heaven. It would be such an illustrious journey, it would be unbelievable. And she said, "How many of you want to go to heaven?" And all the little boys and girls' hands shot up, except for Johnny. Well, of course, what would the teacher have thought other than the fact that. Johnny didn't hear the question, right? <laughs> Have you ever, were you ever in a school somewhere where you didn't hear the question, or didn't want to hear the question? <laughs> well, anyway, she thought she tried again, and she said, uh, "How many of you want to go to heaven?" And again, all everybody's hand went up except Johnny. So now she's really concerned. She said, "Johnny, well, don't you want to go to heaven?" Well, I don't want to go now. <laughs> and some of us we 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 want to wait. We've got other stuff. That, you know, I'm done with stuff. I want to go. I really want to go. It's time it's, it's just time to go. And again, I'm I'm perfectly just as Paul said, for to me to live is yeah. for me to live as Christ and to die as Game. That's a great verse to live by. At any rate, I got off subject. So our purpose is not just to go to heaven. What is our purpose? What is your what is God's purpose in saving you? And how is that done? How is that done? That's absolutely right. Why, how do we do that? Everything that we should be doing as Christians is to bring glory to God. Do you know, the, you know the best way, the ultimate way, God's purpose, purposed way to bring glory to him is this? His purpose for saving us is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And that is going to, when we're in heaven, we're, again, I, I love those. Oh, I didn't finish. Did I Called. Let's do one. Can you tell me the other one? What's after we have foreknowledge, we have predestined, we have called. What's the next one? Justified. And them, I love how he puts that, not some of them, them, all of them are glorified. That is God's plan in a nutshell. Whoops, that's not going to work. Glorify. Glorified. 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 And when we get to heaven, we're in that state of, in fact, it's interesting. You're, you're, if, if, you, if you're going to be saved, maybe there's someone here today that does not know Jesus Christ personally. But God knows if you will or if you won't. That's in his foreknowledge. And he is predestined that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. And if you're one of those to be saved, you will be invincible. Invincible. That's that's God's words, not mine. You will be invincible. He will call you through the Holy Spirit. You will then be justified because you will trust in Christ alone. And then you will be glorified. Not maybe. And you know the difference between... You know what? There's a word we want to use. I haven't used it yet today. I don't think I've used it. From justified to glorified is a process called sanctification. Okay? But there's a word that I want to use because this is the difference between those that love God and those that don't. This is the difference between those that have trusted Christ and those that haven't. We all go through tough stuff, in case you haven't noticed. Anyone that says, well, accept Christ and it'll be just an easy peasy street, it'd just be a yeah, you're all shaking your head. You already that, that's, that's a bad story. You know the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? One that has the Holy Spirit living within them, one that has Christ living within them, and one that doesn't? Peace God. The peace, hope, and there's another word. And by the way, those are those spot on. What you will see in that person, in that Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within it and the tough stuff comes, do you know what will happen? It's called perseverance. And we've heard of maybe this passage of Scripture being eternal security, security of the believer. I would much rather use... Perseverance of the believer. Because that's what God does. He never gives up. He never lets that person get away. He holds them and they just continue to press on. And you know what? The tougher it gets, the stronger the person becomes. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses nine, 9 and 12. Peter, I'm sorry, Paul. Remember what happened to him? He's given a thorn in the flesh. By whom? Satan, nonetheless. What do you think Satan wanted to do with Paul? Do you think do you think Satan really wanted Paul to go to heaven? No. Do you think he really wants you guys to go to heaven? No. We're going to be getting to that in a moment. And you know what he said? Paul said this. When I am weak, then I am strong. So you see what that perseverance, that staying on. And how many times did, do you think Paul liked the thorn in the flesh? Have you guys had something in the last week that you really were pretty tickled about and it was kind of like a thorn in the flesh? What did you do about it? He probably said to God, kind of remove that thing if we could. I'd just soon get rid of it. In fact, Paul asked three times. And then he realized, you know what? In my struggles, in my suffering, God has given me the strength to persevere, and at the end, even though I'm weak, I'm stronger. That is the difference in a Christian and a non-Christian. That's the difference between those that love God and those that don't love God. When there's no perseverance probably not a christian. I didn't say sinless, didn't say perfect, didn't say any of that. But if you lack perseverance, that's what the scriptures talks of over and over and over and over again, that's the mark of someone that loves God. Isn't that good? It's not me, that's what the scr- and see it lays it out perfectly. It's not a conf- it's not walking down an aisle, it's not saying I trusted Christ sometime back 32 years ago in 4 months That's not it. What is it that keeps you saved? It's God that keeps you saved. If you could have been saved, you would have saved yourself. You couldn't even hold your salvation because you can't save yourself. It's the perseverance that comes from the Holy Spirit living within that saved one. That's the strength. That's the power. That's the reality of who a Christian really is. And that's God's word. I forgot what I was going to... Paul do you remember yeah. Not really <laughs> i didn't even I, shoot I was going somewhere else that 's okay let 's keep moving purpose He was going to make us like Christ oh, I know I know what it was. I know what it was when we get to heaven we 're in the glorified state that 's the thing coming when we 're there do you know let 's talk about Christ for a moment. Tell me about Jesus Christ. what do you know about Jesus now we were to be conformed. To be like Jesus Christ. That's what God's whole purpose of was to save us from. Before the beginning of the world, he purposed to make us like Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted. Heaven, that's just a side benefit. All of the things, all those benefits that we have, those are just sidebars. He wants us to look like Jesus Christ. What does Jesus look like? What does he act like? Who was he? Perfect. Sinless. That's it. Full of love. love. More love than we can imagine. That's one of the things I would think, one of the things that I've been asking the true seekers is, what would Jesus do right now with the COVID-19 around? What would he be doing? And we kind of concluded, there'd be a whole lot of love, wouldn't there? He would be caring for a whole lot of people. That's what we kind of came up with was, you know what? No matter what he was doing, it would be just fully immersed in love. When he spoke, it would be with love. If he touched, it would be in love. Everything, everything he did, right? And I will say, now, even when he reprimanded, it was still with love because he wanted to get people right with God. Think of the rich young, young ruler. Now, that rich young ruler, remember what? He turned and walked sadly away. But you know what? Jesus was firm with him because he wanted him to cut through all of that, what I would call that fogginess. And it wasn't about works, he wanted to get right to the heart of the matter, and he did it with love, firmness, but love. The woman caught in adultery. How could you be much more tender than he was with her? Oh, I love that the woman at the well he was so he, he could have, he could have started right out right but he didn 't he says, "Go tell your husband he sets her up well i'm yeah i said that 's right it 's your fifth one. I perceive you 're a prophet. <laughs> No, what she did perceive is, you know what? She perceived the fact that he loved her. He cared for her. Full of love. We really got off on that one, didn't we? So holy, perfect, or sinless? What about the temple where he chased everyone? Yeah. Okay. uh, See, my Jesus isn't a wimp. Why did he do that? And he, he actually was sitting there building a whip. Right? I'm just thinking of that. I, I would have probably, if, if I was that upset, I probably would have just start flipping tables. What do you think he was doing as he was building the whip? That took time. Right? Tells us that he made a whip. I think it was just in passion of what was really doing and watching as all of this is taking place. Here comes this commerce, this money being made by those in charge of the temple illicitly. And what God's whole house was made for was being totally dis disrupted in what... It was a house of prayer. Remember that's what he said? You have made it a den of thieves. It, it infuriated him. I'm, that's a good word. Because he was righteously angry. Correct? And that was... See, one of the things that we did, we talked about last week, someone that loves God, hates what God hates. And Jesus hated what was going on within the very temple of God. There are There are churches today that God must just be... must be just terrible. In fact... One of the verses we miscommunicate very oftenly. Not, not that there's anything wrong with it, but in Revelation chapter 3, I think it's verse 20, it's the Church of Laodicea, which is probably a figure or a depiction of the last day church. And if you read that, at the last part of that session, it talks about Jesus knocking on the door. It has nothing to do with knocking on the heart of a of an unbeliever. Even though Jesus is doing that, but not there. Jesus is on the outside of the church trying to get in. Ha! Ah, right? And as Ryan pointed out, he was in the temple when he walked this earth, and he drove those guys out of there. And that was still in love, trying to get their attention, showing them. Where was I going with this? Oh, where were we at? Oh what? yeah! What was there? We go. Thank you. That was the one that did it. Sinless, full of love. What else we say? Perfect. Compassionate. Excuse me. Compassionate. Compassionate. Yeah. What else? Anything? Gracious. Did somebody say? At all times. What are you going to look like, according to Revelation chapter twenty-one, ish right in there, when we get glorified and we're in heaven? Sinless? Now, again, someone has said it this way. You are going to be as close as a born human could possibly be to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, without being God as anything imaginable. And has God done his work in conforming us to the image of his son? When we are glorified, oh, the other thing you missed, remember when he was resurrected, he had a brand new body. Guess what you guys get? A brand new body. What I'm here to say, and all of this has taken me a long time, is you will look so much like Jesus Christ, it will scare you in a good way. Sounded bad how I said it. You'll never be Jesus Christ, the God the Son, but you will have all of those attributes because God said it would happen. God's plan can never be thwarted. It can never be changed. It can never be manipulated. It can never be remotivated. In fact, that's what He's going to go on to say now. Let's take our, a few minutes and move on to the next section. We've seen the extent of invincibility. We've seen the recipient of re- of. Uh, of invincibility, As we've listed the components of invincibility, foreknowledge, predestination, calling, the call to be justified, to be glorified. Let's go to the next verses for a moment. There are challenges to invincibility. In fact, as you may be sitting there thinking, wait a minute. There must be some way that somebody could get in the middle of me and my relationship with God. That's why in verse 31 he goes on to say, of, are you back in Romans, chapter 8, verse 31? What should we then say to these things? What things? Of what he's just said, he's walked us through God's plan from foreknowledge to glorification. What should we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And the obvious answer is no one. Look at verse 32. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us. It's the same us that you had in verse 21. 31, I'm sorry. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So let's talk about some of the persons that would like to separate us or potentially separate us from from God. Who would that be? Satan, oh boy. He is a person too. Now, Satan is given sometimes too much credit. He's a worthy opponent, he's a wily, evil, evil created being. But he cannot know your thoughts. He cannot be any more than one place at once. Boy, am I thankful for that. Now, he's got a lot of minions, lots of demons. In fact, a third of all of those angelic hosts, as they would have chosen, they had one shot at it. Satan threw his pitch and said, I can be God. I'm going to be like the Most High. And one-third of those angels that God created went after him. And they never will ever have another chance to make that right. That's one of the things that the hymns was look into salvation and they look at grace and there's a mystery to them. What I don't it is it's a mystery to them and God said whosoever will and Jesus Christ died for all. You know and, and to an angel they got one time in fact when Adam and Eve sinned that would have been that's it. You're either on Satan's side or on God's side. How about the angels can they separate us from the love of God? Satan, he would love to to manhandle us. Think of who he did it to. Examples in the scripture. Remember Job? Oh, you talk about a satanic attack. You think you've had a bad day. Take a bad life and stick it in a day, and that was Job's day. All of his kids were killed. All of his animals were gone. All of his crops, everything is gone. And you know what was behind it? It was not an act of God. It was... Satan. He tried it on Peter. Think of remember what, remember what Jesus did now. Here's Jesus. He's he's just a few hours from literally being betrayed and knowing he's going to be. He and he gave himself as a sacrifice. The, the, those Jewish leaders and those Romans and Pontius Pilate had no power over Jesus whatsoever, none. Because you remember earlier in his life, they were gonna they were gonna stone him to death, and Jesus just walked through their midst. But when it was time for the God to be glorified, when it was time for the Father's will to be accomplished, when it was time for sin to be conquered, then Jesus willingly gave himself to be offered. And just being hours away from that, he says to Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. And do you know what else he said? I love this because he's doing the same for you. Not only did Jesus Christ die for us, not only did he raise from the dead to prove that God was was, was, com- it was completely done deal, but he's also doing the same thing for us on high today that he did for Peter. He told Peter, but I've prayed for you. <laughs> and you know what Peter did? He did exactly what Jesus said he would do. Before the cock crew, he had denied him three times. And Peter was broken beyond belief. Had Peter lost his salvation? If it was up to him, he would have. In fact, if you're trying to hold on to salvation yourself, you will lose it. You can't, you can't hold your salvation because you could have never gained it. But Jesus Christ is interceding for us. In fact, this very concept, his plan, it has to be completed. Because all of those that were justified, all of those that trusted Christ, they all will be glorified. They will persevere in the end because God said it would happen. I'm really thankful for that. I'm glad he said, okay, I'm justified. Now it's really up to you to make it. Well, I'd blow it a hundred million times. So would you. So would Paul. So would Peter. He did. In fact, Peter didn't get. But you know what? Jesus prayed for him. Guess what happened? He came back. He's interceding for us as well. The Holy Spirit is interceding. Remember how we started our session today? Verse 26 of Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit is praying in God's will, on your behalf, things that you don't even know what to pray for. And I am so thankful for that. There's too many days, too many nights. Lord God, I don't even know what to say. But if you've trusted Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding for you. Jesus Christ is interceding in heaven. The Holy Spirit is interceding, with living within you. Think about the power that you have. Am I too much over the top today? I don't even care just doesn't matter, right? (laughs) Because God is in charge. He's in control. And in a world that's so chaotic, so messed up today, does it bother God one cent? Not a bit. Not a bit because he's still asking the same. Just trust me. Just trust me. Trust me. Trust me. We get in spite of all that's going on, we read in John chapter 9, he reached out that one man. That's right. One person. That's right. That's right. That's right. All the thousands of people that's right. reached out into that one. And that's what God is doing even today. To this, this very moment, whatever time it is, I don't have a clock, but whatever it is right now, on May 3rd of 2020, God is literally through his words, from his word, using the Holy Spirit to call and to draw someone, this very second, somewhere in the world, to come to him one person at a time. personal. personal personal and jesus was very personal yeah. I, aren't you glad for the god that we're serving yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. truly amazing i just want to i want to i want to clarify one thing there's no way we're going to get done today <laughs> <laughs> we got one week we're going to have one week left oh right it's too much it's too much <laughs> <laughs> that's what you have to finish up online won't you so one of the things... Uh, okay, we, we started verse 32. Let, let's kind of get through this thought. I want to get through this thought process anyway. So how about God? He knows what kind of a loser we are, right? He, know, he saved us. He knows, what, what our, he knows the depths that we can go to. Remember, he knew everything before the foundation of the world. Well, could God literally say, that's enough, I can't put up with this guy. Mm-hmm. That's why he gave us verse 32. And it's an argument from the Greek, or particularly from... Uh, the Scripture that he starts and and argues from a greater to a lesser. Let's read verse 32 again. Let's bring it to us. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, all of the things necessary for us to complete are to persevere to get to glorification. If he literally let Jesus Christ die on our behalf, that's the greatest thing that could happen. Isn't it a smaller, to a lesser extent, kind of a thing to keep us saved? That's his point. It really is. In fact, watch this. This is, this is even tough to uh, imagine again. Let's go to Isaiah. Hold your place. We'll be back. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. <clears throat> Isaiah 53, verse 10. Now he's speaking about the passion of the servant, or about Jesus Christ. It's an Old Testament prophecy of what would happen in the life of Jesus Christ. Now watch, verse 10. And I understand we're popping in here. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Did you get that? This is God the Father saying it pleased him to bruise God the Son. How could he say that? Back to the plan. Because this was how the plan would have to work. He had predestined the plan that Jesus Christ would be the only way that one could be saved. And it was okay. In fact, that follows up. A verse just popped in my mind. Um, uh, Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I hope I'm right. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Oh, I've got to start in verse six, 16. Beautiful, beautiful. Verse 16, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. How is it? By the Holy Spirit. Watch verse 17. For our light affliction, That suffering, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's exactly how God would have saw the bruising of his son, Jesus Christ. There would have been that momentary, which would have seen forever. If you can imagine being nailed to a cross, don't try that at home. Wow. Can you imagine excruciating, torturous pain? No, you can't. You cannot do it. And for God to have turned his back on God the Son, Literally, my impression, for three hours, from noon it became dark, dark as night, until three o'clock when Jesus finally said this, it is finished. And that's the first work that Jesus Christ did for us. He paid for our sin. And then God said, he puts a stamp of approval on it three days later, and he said, it's done, when he raised him from the dead. And for all of eternity, Jesus will wear those scars That I put him on the cross for. My goodness. Amazing. Amazing. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. This is actually tying in well today too since uh, our, our communion services are just after the message. In Luke chapter 22, and let's look at verse 53. Luke chapter 22 Verse 53. <clears throat> um, actually, let's see. Let's start in verse uh, 47. Uh, what they've done is they've been in the Garden of Gethsemane. They've had their time together, the Last Supper, if you will. They've been in the, They've been praying, or at least Jesus has been. The others have been sleeping. And now, in verse 47, it says, While he yet spake, behold, a multitude. This is chapter 22, verse 47 of Luke. And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? I'm telling you, is that not, oh, that's just despicable, isn't it? Verse 49. When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, should we smite with the sword? One of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right. Who was that guy? Do you remember from Peter? (laughs) He was a man of action, wasn't he? He was a man. Now, just, but listen to this now. See, this is is how weak we are. This is not my notes, but it's perfect. When you think you're doing so much right, when it's in you, you can fall apart at a moment's notice. Now, he was, he was ready to fight for Jesus, and he whacks, lops off. I don't know if he was a poor shot, but he lops off the ear of this high priest servant, and it's Peter. We find another gospel. And literally within a couple of hours, he had denied Jesus, even knowing him, three times. How can that be? Operating in our own strength. But if God's involved and we've been justified, we've trusted Christ as Savior, guess what? He guarantees that we are invincible, ultimately, all the way to glorification, just as he did for Peter. That's so cool. Now, let's keep going. Where did I stop? stop. Verse 51, there we go. And Jesus answered said, Suffer you thus far. Stop it. And he touched his uh, Is this not cool or what? Here's, G- here's Jesus. He's ready, he's being betrayed, and Peter whacks off this guy's ear, and Jesus, I know this is what he did. He went over and picked it up and put it on, and it's fixed. That's a happy servant, (laughs) right? That's Jesus. There he is, helping others. That's a a message for us in this COVID-19 right now. It's so easy to focus on ourselves and our own little problems and stuff, our big problems. I know what Jesus would do. He would reach out to those that needed it. He would reach out. That's what he's asking us to do as well. The love that was shed abroad. Romans 5.5, 5. just jot that down in your notes again. That one should be jotted down in your notes every single week. Romans 5.5. 5. The love that is shed abroad in our hearts from the Holy Spirit. Again, how? By the Holy Spirit. That literally is what we should be reaching out to in love, is for what he's placed within us. Then let's keep going. Okay. Verse 52. Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders, which were come to him. This whole group has come. Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Do you know what he was saying there? I'm giving up right now as a Perfect sacrifice, just as the, God, the Father's will is. Now, Satan, he thinks he's going to have a heyday. Satan wanted him killed. Satan drove within the hearts of Judas Iscariot, the hearts of those chief priests, the hearts of all of those religious enemies to kill him, to take him out. And even Satan was so frenzied with Jesus' demise that he literally fulfilled God's plan. What was seen as something bad to the disciples was used for their good. It was seen as, oh, our Savior is dead. We've lost it all. But Jesus said, until I leave, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit cannot come. Now think of that for us today. I mean, I would love to have Jesus Christ teaching us today. I would love to be sitting back there with you and letting letting Jesus teach us. Would that not be cool? Oh, but I'm here to tell you, just as Jesus did, he said, if I, won't, if I don't leave, you will not have the Holy Spirit living within you. I kind of want both. Right? I'm so glad the Holy Spirit is living within me, especially in those tough times where temptations and all of those things are gauging war against me. And today I can honestly say, with all of the fear that is rampant through our world today, I have no fear because God is in control. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives within me. And this plan, this five-word plan, literally cannot be thwarted. Satan can't. Satan thought he was going to win when he killed Jesus. And then three days later, he couldn't have held him back out of that tomb with any force that he had. Because I'm sure those demons were trying every possible way to keep, that, keep him down. God says, no, I am God. Jesus will rise from the dead because of everything that was accomplished that needed to be done. Have I wore you guys out yet? And he will finish the plan. He is here to finish the plan. He keeps us because he loves us. I think we're going we're to stop there. One more scripture. I always like to leave with a scripture. One of the things that and we'll be talking about it next week, but this will set us up well. Um, I talked about the word perseverance. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, because there are those that you may have known about, those that may have professed, those that may have said that they're a believer, they're a Christian, they have trusted Christ, but their life does not show it. There is no perseverance in the sense they don't love God. At least they surely don't hate the things that God hates. Let's look at verse 19 of 1 John chapter 2. It says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out. That they might be made manifest, or clearly shown, that they were not all of us. So, not just anyone that professes to be a Christian, not just anybody that... Walked an aisle, someone that has a date of conversion, whatever it is. The key, the component of evidence is perseverance. Not because they persevere, but the fact they have a new life that God gave to them and the Holy Spirit lives within them, and you can do nothing other than with the Holy, Holy Spirit living within you ultimately to persevere. Not sinless, not perfect, not all the things that you want to say... Should be there. As much as we yearn to be more perfect, don't you? I do. I hate it when I sin. right? Ah. Yeah. But you know what? It's the perseverance. Jesus is just, uh, the Holy Spirit is, get back up. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. Let's keep going. Keep your eye on Jesus. You know, the scriptures even mean more to us after we went through some tough suffering times. Don't they do you? They really do to me. And that's the key to knowing that God's work will not be thwarted. He is taking you from being justified, all of them, to be, he's not going to lose one. Not one. Not one. That is so exciting to me. That is so exciting. Let's go with, let's go to Hebrews chapter 7, and we'll close here for today. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. This is speaking about Jesus. In verse 25 it says wherefore he Jesus is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God like I'm sorry that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You need to know that verse. You need to understand that verse. If you need to underline that verse, underline that verse. That is literally telling you that Jesus Christ is interceding for you, and there is no way that you could be anything other than saved from any condition because you have come to God by him. That is a great place for us to stop today. Next week, we'll come back to further challenges to being invincible. We're going to talk a little bit more about persons, and then we're going to talk about things or circumstances because there must be something that can separate us from the love of God. And you already say, no, there isn't. Well, we'll talk about it anyway. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love and care. Thank you for taking the word and using it in a manner that we've prayed that you would, that it would go out and it would be unadulterated, that the Holy Spirit would use it and spread it throughout our communities, our own hearts, Father, to make us stronger, more persevering, giving us energy and encouragement that comes from the Holy Spirit as we've used the word to enlighten our own souls by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we'll thank you for what you're going to accomplish. To these that are here today and those that have heard my voice, wherever they might be, Father, there may be someone that doesn't know Christ personally. This seems foreign to them, that they really don't love God. In the heart of hearts, when they do an an analysis of themselves, I really don't think I do know Jesus personally. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to use the Word of God in calling and wooing you and asking anyone that would believe on me, that's God, to trust Jesus Christ as your sole Savior. To lay aside everything that you have trusted in and to reach out and humbly bow before a God that loved you so much that it was determined before He made anything that Jesus would die you and in this quietness of your heart wherever you might be if you accept that gift that Jesus paid for as he said it is finished he suffered the death he suffered the penalty he suffered everything that sin brought for you and when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior then in that moment you have been justified and in that moment, God's plan is fully engaged. The Holy Spirit indwells you. As you read the Word of God, you will see it in a way that you've never seen it before. The Holy Spirit will begin to enlighten your mind. He will in, in, in energize you from the inside. Love will be shed abroad in your heart, as it says in Romans 5.5. 5. And you are now one of those that will be growing That will be sanctified moment by moment, day by day, through the power of the Holy Spirit on your way to being glorified. If you meant business. That's God's plan. And he will continue to conform you to the image of his son. And each day, each decision that you make with focusing on Jesus, that becomes reality. He is working a work on all of us. And now, Father, I would ask that you would protect and provide for these, these just as you were interceding for Peter, just as you were in charge and giving strength to Paul through Satan who is buffeting him with a thorn in the flesh, and ultimately made. Paul better, and it gave glory to you. May we be encouraged by the word. May our lives be so full and overflowing that love will be overflowing to those that we come in contact with. We pray, Father, for those that we may not even know today that are suffering in ways that we are unaware of. And, Father, bring those to our minds, to our lives, to our attention, so that we can share who we are because we're yours with them. Now, Father, take us and use us in manners and ways that you specifically have designed so that you are glorified. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the promise of perseverance to believers that have trusted Christ.